Welcome to Floating Points, an EdTech podcast focused on computer science and higher ed. I'm Winesh Kanan. Today, I'm going to talk about a highly contested topic in EdTech, autograders. I'll be sharing perspectives from both sides of the debate to keep things interesting. For those not familiar with autograders, or for those who have had the good fortune to not need them, autograders are automatic programs for giving students feedback and scores on their work in a computer science classroom. Many instructors have turned to autograders to manage the higher workloads with grading that come with bigger class sizes and the need to fit more content into a class. Instructors who use them say they save time grading, spend less time explaining the requirements of an assignment to students, and are able to give their students more feedback to improve. However, autograders are also a highly controversial topic among instructors at all grade levels because of issues they raise in the classroom. Here's a list of the top five issues that we've heard and seen instructors talk about with autograders. No particular order, I just sorted them lexicographically. So here goes. Number one, autograders can't see students' process. A good set of autograder test cases can determine if a student has done an assignment correctly, but many of the best instructors want ways to see how a student came to their solution. That way they can help the class in ways they might be struggling conceptually. Number two, auto graders that are rigid and can mark students wrong even when they're right. This is a difficult experience to have with auto graders, especially for students who are just starting to build their confidence with programming and computer science. Number three, auto graders that are not suited for creative assignments. Many instructors worry about this because they fear that autograders will cause their assignments to become more rigid and mundane, when creative and critical assignments can help their students become more engaged with the topic and find their own meaning. Number four, spending more time maintaining and fixing autograders than on teaching and learning. Instructors who expected autograders to be their salvation were surprised to find out that it could actually suck more of their important time away. And number five, students might stop working on a project once they have a good enough autograder score. This is a difficult thing to observe, in, especially in college students, some of whom, once they get a numerical or letter grade from the autograder, will decide that it's not worth their effort to complete the whole assignment. Maybe they learned about Pareto optimality, but not about how to have a fulfilling experience with the programming assignment. Floating on over to another topic, how to autograde responsibly. Two pieces to this. The first is we can autograde responsibly if we use autograders to scaffold the assessment. We did this with a professor in New York who's actually a physics professor in charge of teaching his students an intro to coding. He came up with a really fun approach to teach them physics by creating the physics engines behind simple games. Using the Pygame library, a popular Python game development library, he challenged his students with this, but was worried that he would spend so much time grading their solutions, especially if students had all kinds of different ways of running their games, he'd have to sit and play each one. So we used the Mimir autograder to improve the process. We created a simple Pygame of Angry Birds and we used automated test cases 
to assess the simple things that would be present in every solution, the basic requirements, like correctly implementing the kinematics, the physics of the game, as well as the game logic, determining when the game was over or still going on, and whether an enemy was defeated. That basic set of auto-grading assessments allowed students to know if they had implemented a correct solution, but still gave them free reign to make the game as creative and engaging as they wanted. Things like how they introduced the user to the game and designed the layout, and if they had correctly implemented the physics, adding more interesting things like a trail behind the Angry Bird as it flew through the air. A second way to auto-grade responsibly is to get students to think critically about whether or not their program is valid by having them write some of the test cases. We're doing this with a data structures course taught at a university in Atlanta. And at first, the students weren't necessarily excited about having to write their own test cases. I'm sure some of them thought, isn't that your job as the instructor? But after a few times of doing assignments where they had to come up with their own ways to test if the data structure they implemented was correct and worked for different types of edge cases and scenarios, it was something they became more familiar with. Now they're on their second or third assignment where they've had to supply some of the test cases, and we're seeing them come up with test cases that are sometimes more sophisticated than what's actually grading their assignment. This is a way to help students have the feedback from the auto grader that gives them peace of mind that they've implemented the solution correctly and will get the points they deserved without sacrificing the critical thinking about assessing their own product. These are ways to use an auto grader to great effect in the classroom without sacrificing creative and critical thinking in the homework and coursework. Education technology companies also have responsibilities. For Mimir, we're a company whose product Mimir Classroom can be used for auto grading and can create some of the negative auto grading scenarios we talked about if not used responsibly. For us as an ed tech company, our responsibilities are to produce and evangelize assignments that capture creativity, critical thinking, and peer interaction. We must also provide students with feedback from the auto grader, not just results. One feature of our product that I like to call out is that you can add failure messages, hints for a student in addition to their score if they're not passing the test case. The way I think of it is, what would you tell that student if they emailed you or came to your office hours and asked you about that part of their code? And then, an auto grader that we produce, we need to be able to be swift when responding to times when their flaws surface. And I think this is especially important because we've met so many students who work diligently on their assignments, but if they're graded unfairly by an auto grader, it's out of their comfort zone to go to their instructor and ask for points back. And so when we create test cases and when we help instructors set up their auto graders, we're very attentive to issues when students think that the test cases have been done incorrectly. And we make sure to validate those. That way, if a student questions the auto grader, it doesn't come down to a conversation of whether the student is right or wrong, but a chance to critically explore how that code is being assessed. And that's what I think it takes to auto grade responsibly. Welcome to the mailbag. This is the section of the podcast where we read letters from the listeners. 
Since we didn't invite any letters for the first episode, I rummaged through my inbox to find letters from students and instructors about autograders, and then anonymized them. This first letter is from a student. They write, I found a bug in my instructor's autograder that marks my code correct when it's really wrong. Should I tell them? Uh, You know, as a student, this is a tough spot to be in. You know, you could, if you keep silent, I guess you get the points. Um, You know, my advice to any students that are are caught in this conundrum, I feel pretty strongly tell your instructor. Um, The other thing is, if you don't, there's going to be at least one kid in your class, you, you know, you know who I'm talking about, who will tell them. So why not get a chance to, to be the first? Um, and I, I think your instructor will, will honestly appreciate that you thought critically about it and were able to find that. If it was a really bad autograder error, maybe you just got your whole class an extension. Uh, so <laughs> next letter, you know, now we've got one from an instructor. I created my own autograder to save time. But it's taking so much of my time to maintain. What should I do? Yeah, this is a tough one. Now, I would say that you should use Mimir Classroom. But if you think that's biased, here's another stab at it. Ideally, it would be nice if other instructors could help you maintain an autograder. That way, they can bring their insights from teaching another class where it's applicable. But with how busy instructor schedules are, this is rarely a possibility. Another opportunity could be your students. Obviously, students who are not currently taking your class, but there are universities that do this effectively. Some schools, I'm thinking of at least two, one in Chicago and one in New York, have homegrown autograder solutions that are maintained by teams of students. And your students know exactly the kind of autograder tricks that a student trying to shorten their homework might try to pull. And this not only can help the instructor save time while creating the autograder, but then transition to a role of a project mentor rather than an autograder engineer. And then last instructor letter for today. One of my students found an error in my autograder after the project due date. I fixed it, and now that student has gotten a higher grade. However, a few other students lost points due to the upgrade. How should I handle this? Another, another rough autograder conundrum for sure. Um, I think uh, it would be real nice to, you know, hook, hook some of those uh, students up with a discussion in class. Um, and, you know, that could be a good learning moment for everyone um, to talk about how um, mistrust of the autograder can sometimes be better for your critical thinking. You know, I'm sure the students would appreciate uh, a small extension or a chance to improve on that. Um, other instructors who have run into this issue say that they just decide to write that test case off. That way they can really use it as a learning moment in class because nobody feels like they're gaining or losing points about that specific case. Um, and then uh, be able to fix those moving on. That, uh, that can be a, a good way to handle that situation. So next time we're going to be talking about plagiarism, everybody's favorite computer science education topic. Uh, if you want to send in your letters, questions, or thoughts, shoot them over to us at this email v at mimirhq.com that's v as in victor at sign m-i-m-i-r-h-q.com or you know if you want you could always shoot it over to our mailbox at 10 west market street indianapolis we'd love to get some snail mail for you
The future of auto grading is still unknown. Will it prove to be effective? Will it scale? Will it re be replaced by something better? According to some educational technologists, the future of auto graders are machine learning algorithms that can predict student errors before they make them, and new ways to automate teaching and learning. That's, that's not really the kind of future that I want to live in. And some of the best instructors I know will say that we don't need tools like that. While machine learning and such approaches are popular, I think two things will influence the future of autograders. The first is what new things autograders will allow us to do. When used responsibly, autograders can take away tedious tasks and scaffold student feedback. Now that we've automated those chores, what kinds of new ways of assessing student learning and what kinds of new projects can we come up with? And then the other is the way in which CS education and instructors and students will influence auto graders. This is the most important. At the end of the day, an auto grader is a tool to serve teaching and learning. It should not dictate the teaching and learning. And so as CS education matures as a field and new types of assessments are designed, other tools may pop up to make sure that those can scale effectively. And if that means abandoning auto graders for a more insightful kind of assessment that can still save instructors time and give students good feedback, we're all for that. Thanks to all of the teachers and students who listened to today's episode. Join us next time as we discuss another critical idea in computer science education. Plagiarism.